Well, welcome to everyone this evening, and again to our guests. I see several guests. We are thrilled to have you with us on this Sunday evening. Thank you for being a part of this service tonight. We welcome you. We pray that the Spirit of the Lord blesses you tonight. If you're watching us online, wherever you're watching us from, we pray that you are blessed by this service tonight as well. I also, lastly, and we're going to move on, but I want to uh, remind you, I realize some of you weren't here this morning, but we're watching, but in case some of you weren't watching and weren't here, I want to remind you, as I said last weekend, I felt like uh, that before Brother Hurt came, that it was going to be more than just one weekend, and uh, that is the case. And uh, we are definitely going till next weekend. And I'm not saying that next weekend is it. I'm just saying we know that at least that far. And uh, it could keep going. And if that's what Jesus wants, that's what I want. And I think that's probably what you want too. Amen. So, Brother Hurt will be ministering Thursday evening. We will get a registration as usual for that service. But we will bump it to the regular number. Uh, since we will have a guest speaker with us. And then we will have another service on Saturday evening at 6 p.m. And then again Sunday morning and Sunday night. And I will say again, I realize some of you, this you've already had plans in advance and all of this is being added to what we're doing. And if you can't be here, that's no problem. If you've got stuff you can't get out of, out of that's that's no worries. We understand. But for those of us that can be here, we are going to be here because God is doing some very important things, saying some very important things, and we don't want to miss this season that we are in and what God is wanting to do. Amen. I don't know about you. It's not. I've already said it. It's not about feeling, but I feel some things shifting. As I've already said, I feel more liberty tonight than I felt the last six weeks not that we haven't had some great moves of God but but I feel like we're we're progressing and I don't want to stop before God's done I want everything he's got I want everything he's got for us collectively but I want everything he's got for me individually amen praise God so would you stand and again it is a great privilege our first time of meeting, officially meeting, was yesterday at lunch. Brother Hurt and I had texted and talked on the phone a couple of times, talked on the phone first and then some texting, but felt like the Lord was orchestrating this. And so we are so happy to have Brother and Sister Hurt and their son Isaac with us. And... Um, if you were in service last night or watching, or if you were in service this morning or watching, I think you should already know by now that he is here in the will of God and the Holy Ghost is using him to speak and minister to us. So I don't want to get into a ritual just to do a ritual, but since we've interrupted things a little bit here, I'm going to ask you again this evening just before he comes as we get ready for that one more time would you just lift your hands and i want you to express again your own words your own way god i i want you to speak to us i want you to speak to me 
I want you to do what you want to do in this place collectively, and I want you to do what you want to do in me. So I yield myself to you. I surrender myself. No resistance from me, God. No opposition from me. I want to be yielded and submitted and surrendered to the work and the move of your Spirit in this place tonight. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. speak to me tonight, God. Lord, put a hunger in my soul. Put a thirst in my soul tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, I don't want to just go back to normal. But I want to see beyond the hills of impossible. In the name of Jesus tonight, God. Lord, you renew strength. You renew minds. You increase hope. Lord, tonight in the name of Jesus, I'm asking God for your help on the inside of me that I will minister to your people the word for this hour. Not just a word that just works for any hour, but something that is specific to this people and to this hour. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord God, that you would help me to do it without fear or distraction. Lord, help me to be conscious of your direction. And I pray, Lord God, that the ears of the hearer will be open to what they receive tonight. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your presence. In the name of Jesus. Just love on the Lord right now. Hallelujah. God, we need you. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we glorify you. There's nobody like you, Lord. You're a loving king. You've always been there. Through the good times and through the bad times. When we were in sin. When we weren't even thinking about you, you had your mind on us. Out of all the close calls, the things that could have happened, the things that should have happened, but your mercy, your love and kindness kept us through it all. The accidents the sicknesses, the tragedies, the times where we thought we were going to lose our minds. You remained faithful and you kept us and you brought us through. 
Lord, we used to worship you and praise you with an appreciation. Because when we first experienced your love and your affection, it was so fresh to our soul. Somewhere along the line, it became normal. It became common. Not that you gave it that way. But because we just lost the appreciation for what we had. Other things started becoming pressing issues and pressing needs. You started blessing us physically and financially. You started increasing our families. Some of us got married. Some of us had children. Brought us off drugs, brought us off alcohol, repaired broken homes. When we first came in, we were looking for more of you. After a while, we began to look for more of what you can do. And tonight, I pray, Lord, that you would forgive us. And we want to restore our appreciation and our value for you. Because when we take our last breath, everything that you have given us that is tangible cannot be taken with us. I want to value an eternal relationship with you tonight. And if that's your prayer, put your hands together and open up your mouth. And give the Lord glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, God, restore our hunger. Oh, God, restore our hunger. feel the Holy Ghost. Restore our ability to be transparent when we pray. But the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly the day of the Lord so come as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them. As travail upon a woman with child, they shall not escape. 
I want to talk to you tonight about sudden destruction. In Jesus' name, you can be seated. But ye brethren are not in darkness that the days shall overtake you as a thief. You are all children of the light and the children of the day. We're not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that are drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober putting on the breastplate of faith and love for a helmet of for a helmet and a hope of salvation there is something to be said when we would rather be told what we want to hear than to be told what we need to hear. There are times that we go places and we don't feel the liberty to actually speak what needs to be spoken because of the system that is in place. The people have developed an appetite for sugar. And close their hearts to salt. Preaching and teaching that is only good for decaying the soul and pleasuring the flesh. There are times where I go to places and there is a desire that is in me to tell the people to leave and never go back. When I was younger in ministry, I remember I was at one place or two. And there was such destruction within the church that I literally told the people to a message, preached a message called Get Out. 
is not something that I talk about often because if I did, some preachers would probably think twice about having me. As nobody brings a preacher in to tell the people to get out. Go to the church down the street and never come back. I believe that that's something that is not orthodox in our hour. But I believe it was something that was biblical in the Apostle Paul's hour. What has occurred is that we have become drunk with the wine of the harlot. And due to the fact that I'm not saying that necessarily about Antioch. Corporately. But there are those that are here that you are intoxicated. And your intoxication puts you into a hangover. You're able to navigate, do your day-to-day thing. There's a disconnection. Due to the how the hour is, churches, preachers are very accessible. What I mean by that is that you can go on the internet, go on YouTube, you can Facebook Live, and you can be right in your living room or right in your car and be right there in the middle of a damnable service. Preaching in Jesus' name. Singing in Jesus' name. Dancing in Jesus' name. But living by another name. And because of how the culture is set up, people have systems that work for them. The Lord told me the other day, he said, George, the church for so long has been doing what works instead of pursuing what is right. Bible says, be ye not conformed unto this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of the mind that you may prove that which is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. When you're conformed to this world and you refuse to renew your mind, you have no other choice other than to settle for what's, what works 
instead of pursuing God for what is perfect in the will of God. There is something that is lacking and I would call it a price. Everything in this world comes with a price. The chairs that you sit on, someone had to pay for it. This beautiful facility as we pulled up, I told my wife, I said, when I pull up here, it feels like I'm pulling up to a campground. Just feels like a campground. Someone had to have vision to build what they built. Someone had to make a sacrifice to choose whether or not they were going to just be status quo or pursue what is biblically right. Being perfect is not always acceptable in the eyes of people. And because of that, people just kind of navigate because of how the culture is set up. It is more important to please man or your fellow brethren then it is important to please God. And if we're not careful, we will assume that the fivefold ministry is God and that God is just a representative of the five. Can I tell you that God is the one that we're going to answer to? No system, no organization, no preacher, no prophet, not even your Facebook apostles. But God, there's not multiple ones that you can pursue. You can't go talk to one in the Godhead and say, hey, I need you to try to push this through the Holy Ghost for me. You can't go to the Son and say, Son, can you talk to the Father? Because the Holy Ghost won't do it. But there's only one. You can divide three, but you can't divide one. The Bible says that the enemy, the devil, believes that there is one God. And he trembles. What has occurred that when you're drunk, things that would make you cautious, make you fearful, don't even face you. There are people that do things while they're drunk that they would never do while they're sober. 
how many people wake up or woke up this morning and had to call somebody and said, what happened last night? There are people that are devastated by the decisions that they made off of a Friday night binge drinking with a few friends. One thing about being drunk is that you don't see the limits. You can't see the barriers. You can't see the walls. You can't see the danger. You're not aware of how dangerous the decisions you're making. You see things through fiction instead of through truth. What occurs is that you find that person crashing this vehicle with several children in the car. You see the father that comes home and beats his wife and his children half to death. He's standing in front of the judge with tears running down his eyes, apologizing for what he did because he yielded his member to something toxic. I believe that the yielding of ourself to the harlot is toxic. And if you're not careful, what happens is you begin to see people that live. I know people that say that For 20 years of their life, they live drinking every single day. They never knew what it was like to go a day sober. To the place where when they can't get a hold of the controlled substance, they don't know how to live. Because they've lived life under the control of another spirit. See, those controlled substances introduce spirits that make you susceptible, prone to other spirits. And the scripture declares that whatever you yield yourself servant to, that's what you serve, but I serve the Lord. No. With your mouth you worship him. But your heart, he said, is far from me. The challenge is that when you're trying to convince a drunk that they are an alcoholic, stop it whenever I want to. I can control it. 
can I tell you that when you take a drink, you can't control what happens next. If it doesn't happen next, it is only because God was merciful to you. And he kept it from happening next. That's why I try to refrain from judging people. I was talking to a preacher not long ago. And he said a statement to me. And he said how he would respond if he saw someone doing a particular thing. He said it makes him angry. I have learned that the only reason why you didn't do what they did was not because you were a good person. It was because God showed mercy upon you. When you're out of your mind, there's no telling what you can do. Why? Because you've got a flesh that is not ethical. Flesh is not moral. But flesh is evil. In it dwells no good thing. You've got a flesh that will do anything it wants to do. And your spirit is naive enough to let the flesh do whatever it wants. And because of that, when you're trying to build a kingdom, there are many people, I, I, years ago I had a business. I remember one time I had a gentleman that worked for me that showed up. Showed up to work late. He didn't show up the night before, yesterday before. He showed up to work late. Sweating like crazy. Now, if you're from where I'm from, and that's the hood, folks don't sweat in the wintertime. He wasn't coming from, from a running event. He didn't come from the YMCA. But the sweat let me know that that man had been smoking something or popping something. This man shows up on the job site and the owner was concerned. Why? Because he is paying me to perform a service. But he was wanting the service to be performed by people that had a sound mind. But he looks out among the job site and he sees some sober and some drunk 
See, when an individual is drunk, their ability to reason is off. They will provide you more problems than what you can get yourself out of. We're at the end of time. And what has occurred right now is that you can feel or sense danger. I'm not a preacher of danger. I'm a preacher of truth. But can I tell you that if you're going to walk in truth, there's going to be danger. He said, I send you out like sheep among wolves. When you're drunk, you're convinced that there's no wolves. Or when you're drunk, you're convinced that the wolf is bigger than what he is. You can never get that balance. It's like someone taking a level. And a level is what you would place on maybe if you're cutting some wood. You wanted that level to be balanced. You want that wood to be balanced. You got to get that bubble right there in the middle. See, when you're drunk, either going to be way to the left or you're going to be way to the right. You'll never be in the perfect place that God wants you. Paul addresses the church of Thessalonians. The people have been concerned because Paul had wrote a letter and the people had been convinced that the Lord had already came. Paul had to write a letter and inform the people of the times, letting them know that what they had heard had not occurred. He then begins to go into what shall happen. He said, but the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so come as a thief in the night. The people had been convinced that the Lord had already came. That's why he told them, you know perfectly well in this matter. But he wants to explain to them some further matters that are more relevant to this time than they are relevant to that time. And I understand the conditions that are going on. I told my wife this morning, this afternoon, I said, I'm, I said, I'm sick of the word COVID. I'm sick of it. If I could just take COVID, if, I, if it was possible for me to get in the flesh, 
and COVID could manifest itself in the flesh. And I could just rear back and just slap the living daylights out of COVID. He said, glory to God. I would Ken and Ryu hurricane backslap them. Why? Because that has become the word of the hour. But the Lord is the word of the hour. No one would be fearing if there wasn't a name for what was going on. You wouldn't be concerned if there was no name for it. But the moment there is a name attached to what you're going through, then all of a sudden fear comes in. And sometimes names have a tendency to express the greatness of an individual when you consider Jesus. The Bible says that the Lord has given him a name that is above all names. God has highly exalted that name. But the devil has names. The enemy has names. And what he does is the enemy, pride was found in him. And one thing about pride is pride will make you look a little bit bigger than what you really are. I've always was concerned about how the adversary was so successful in deceiving a third of the angels. Was it his beauty that he fell in love with? And the, you know, when you take someone like Lucifer that was so beautiful, so great, so powerful, and the other angels knew it. They looked at him. They could tell that there was a difference between him and them. And I know that he was over, I'm convinced that he was probably over the third that he took. But they understood, they saw him. He is supposed to be a representative. That's why you've got to be careful of the spirits and the people that you follow. I'm not talking about your leaders that are on this platform. I'm talking about leaders that may be on other platforms. Because what may preach good may not be good. What may sound good may not always be good. I know people that say that wild Irish rules taste good. 
but ask the wife of the person. that's married to the person that drink the wild Irish rose. He's sweet until he drinks. And when the person guzzles that wild Irish rose down, then all of a sudden, that sweet husband of yours turns into a devil from hell. See, the thing is, when you're drunk, you can become something that you weren't when you were sober. Being drunk gives you the power to become something that you're not. And what has occurred is that I told my wife, I said, I'm sick of this word, COVID. And listen, before I go any further, I do want to, only out of honor for your leader and for the leaders of this church so that I don't create any confusion in what I'm getting ready to say out the gate. I am totally for people coming to the house of God and not only feeling spiritually safe, but also being physic, feeling physically safe. I believe that for every leader of a home, it is your responsibility to protect your family. I believe that when it comes down even to wearing the mask, I've got friends that have died. There's people I know that have died all over. There's a bunch of people in Indianapolis that have died. And I believe that this thing is real. I believe that the sickness is real. Like I was talking to your pastor in the office, I prophesied at the church in Merrillville, Indiana last year and said that there is going to be a dark cloud that is going to sweep across this nation, across the world. And I said, and a lot of people are going to die. They're going to say it's a sickness. They're going to say it's a disease or a virus. I said, but it's not just that. It's a weapon. And I said, and it's going to come out of China. I said, we need to pray and ask God to block it or have mercy. And we went into a season of prayer. And I totally forgot about it. Until March or April, I started giving, getting phone calls. Or not phone calls, emails and messages from people in that church. And then from the pastor of that church, referencing what the Lord had revealed before time. I am persuaded that this is not something that was just produced from a bat. 
I know for sure that this is a weapon. Was I there? No. Do I know the people that did it? No. But I'm more confident in my ability to hear the voice of God than I am confident in the voices of men that come from the news media. And not only that, I'm not saying that it's always easy to hear God. I'm saying that when God speaks, I'm confident that he's telling the truth. I say it better that way. I'm confident that when God speaks, he knows exactly what he's talking about. And I have at that point, I have no problem being stubborn with the status quo. The reason being is because if you're going to lie to me, it is because you're going to try to control me. See, when God delivered me, he did not bring me out of just a false church. God brought me out the streets. I was an ex-drug dealer, ex-gangbanger. I was caught up in a whole lot of stuff. And I had devils that needed to be removed from me. I needed power. I needed something real, not something fictional. I was dealing with real devils. I was dealing with real strongholds. I was dealing with real conditions. And the only way I was going to get delivered was if I got a hold of a real God. Oftentimes, when we go places, people assume that me and my wife have been in church all of our life until they look into our holes in their ear and they say, how long have you been saved, Sister Hurt? <laughs> they assume that we've been living for God or we're raised in this. Because of what they see God doing in us. And I say that not to minimize what the Lord has done. I thank the Lord for what he has done. But it reveals the mindset of the hour that we only expect God to move in people that are second and third generation. And it's becoming more uncommon for God to not use the first generation. When I came into the church, I was possessed. When I came into the church, 
I was a four time back then. Now everything's been removed. I have no record. I've got so much of a no record. I, they gave me a open carry license and concealed. Yeah. That was the first thing I did. God went and got me pistols and everything. <laughs> I'm like, I'm legal now. I'm walking around like old Simity said. <laughs> when I came in I was a four time convicted felon I was facing 106 years in the state prison not 106 days 106 years I was sentenced to 14 years in a state prison. I did six years in a state prison. I got the Holy Ghost right before I went in. God used me in the prison, but before he used me, he healed me. The people in the church considered me a reproach. They didn't know how to deal with people like me because they only know how to deal with people that are raised on pews. I'm saying this to say somewhere along the line the second generation lost confidence in the power of God. Somewhere along the line, the second generation began to assume that the only ones that God could use and that God could deliver were those that were familiar with the deliverance of the first generation which were their parents. I believe it is important to have an understanding that God is the same today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. See, when I got the Holy Ghost, there was a lot of things. When you're, when you're counting calendars, I had a baby that was just born. I had a daughter that was just born. And because of my decisions, she was taken from me for those five years. I was taken from her for those five, six years. I was used to things being stripped from me. I was used to being in prison. I know what institution feels like. I lived there. I wasn't in one of those places that, you know, there's no fence. <laughs> 
One of my last charges was because I pulled an escape in the county jail. So to show you how high my level was of incarceration, just go to show you that as soon as something bad happens, they shut the institution down. I was used to having liberties taken away from me. I know what it is like to live for God with restrictions and restraints. And I also know what it is like to be in that to be in that place and see people that are faking and people that are being real. People that are just going along just to pass time. And people that are really trying to get a hold of God. I say this because I remember in the prison, I remember a revival breaking out. But it was after we had had enough. See, the church I got saved at, all the preacher talked about, all of his messages was you got to be holy. You got to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And you got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I promise you that's what he preached every single service. And, you know, I wasn't there for all of them. And maybe, <laughs> maybe that's not what he preached every single service. Maybe I was so inconsistent. <laughs> that every time I showed up to church, he was like, you got to be holy. You can't do that and be saved. That's all I remember him saying. You can't do that and be saved. And Jesus is God. So when I got to prison, I got into the Bible. I was unchurched. My dependence was upon the scripture. I remember when the scriptures came to life. When that happened, there was a person whose father was a major drug dealer. The sons, all of them had the name of their father, first and last. I remember praying them through to the Holy Ghost right there on the other side of the phone room. And then all of a sudden, we got to the prison, and I remember we came to a place where the chaplain refused to baptize in the name of Jesus and refused to allow churches to come in and do the same. I got sick and tired of it because one day I began to read in the scriptures and it was just, the Lord was just open things up to me. And I realized that tomorrow wasn't promised. And I've been having visions and dreams about God using me on the streets. So for a while I was waiting for God to use me on the streets, waiting for God to release, waiting for, praying for a release date to be used of God. Until God revealed to me that tomorrow was promised, not promised. So then I asked a friend, I said, tomorrow's not promised to none of us. What would you do to, 
today if you knew that Jesus was coming back tomorrow? One friend of mine said, man, I'd make sure I'm right. I'd be praying and repenting for everything. And then another friend said, man, I, man, I probably just try to share the gospel with my friends. I said, exactly. I said, tomorrow's not promised to none of us. We're going to approach this next day and the days to come. We're going to live like it's our last day. That means we're going to make sure our relationship with God is right and not faking. We're going to be real with God and we're going to evangelize this whole institution. We're going to turn this place upside down. I said, I'm sick of the chaplain. Kind of like I was sick of COVID. Except for if I slap COVID, I don't do time. But if I slap the chaplain, you know, I just didn't want to do no more time. Not that way. Not for slapping them, you know. And plus, I didn't want to do something that was unseemly as a saint. But I was willing to add time to my sentence because I said what we're going to do is I said that church I went to on the street Keith I said they used to go on these fasts a couple times a year I said then they talked about what God did on their fast I said they would go three days no food or water I said Keith I said what we're going to do I said, we're going to go on a fast and we're going to break this thing that's got a hold of this chaplain that's hindering people from being baptized in Jesus' name. I wasn't 30, 40 years old. I was like 20 years old, 21. I said, we're going to turn this institution upside down. I said, he's got three days to turn this thing around. If God doesn't move in three days, we're going to grab the laundry carts and the big trash cans and we're going to fill them up with water. And we're going to baptize everybody in the name of Jesus Christ. I said, and if we get more time added to our sentence, then I'd rather get out of prison late and have revival than to get out of prison early and souls be lost. The second day of the fast, Keith came to me. He said, George, you won't believe what just happened. I said, what's up? He said, man, I just got pass to go to the chaplain's office and by this time we had already been we, we, we had already had within like a day or two we had already had 20 people wanting to be baptized so we went and did the footwork we didn't wait for God to move before we moved we moved and then God moved what are you saying brother Hurt? we move with faith we move with expectation we brought something 
to the table. We weren't waiting for things to become comfortable. He said, the chaplain said, George, he said, George, the chaplain asked me, handed me a slip of someone that was requesting to get baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of their sins. And it wasn't even a person that we even talked to. He said to Keith, he said, Keith, I know you, you're, 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 apost- you're with those apostolics. The chaplain did not like me. He felt like I was too radical. He said, I want you to, I want to know if you can make this happen. Because Keith had a connection with a church, Pentecostal group on the streets. He said, can you make this happen? Keith looks at the request and he's like, like, oh my God, he's shaking because it's like, he knows that God is moving. He said, yeah, child, and I sure can. He said, do you mind if I add a few others to the list? Chaplain said, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. (laughs) By the time it was over, we would cram people into our cell. It was illegal. You hear me? It was not legal what we were doing in there. We would have had time added to our sentence. But the souls were more important than the time. God worked with us. What do you mean, Brother Hurt? Don't talk to me about sacrifice. Let's talk about trusting God. Now follow me all the way through because I don't want you to come up with an assumption that is different than what I'm trying to speak to you. Keith then turns around. We start praying people through to the Holy Ghost. We would preach in the daytime in Keith's cell in room seven. We would cram as many people as possible in the six by nine. And on top of that, we had people out the door. I would preach in the daytime. And Keith would teach at night. Not only would we do that, but we would do everything together. We ate together. We played basketball together. We prayed together. We worshiped together. We won souls together. We did everything together. Why did we do that? Because that's what I saw in the Bible. See, the harlot has got us following Catholicism. Instead of following the scriptures. And we're trying to figure out why we can't have apostolic results with a harlot principle. If you make babies with a harlot, don't expect to have a good mama. The principles work. 
I wasn't a great preacher. But I used what I had. God worked with us. Miracles started happening. I remember there was a gentleman, I remember the first miracle that occurred. God walked with us. God worked with us. But it started when love became greater than fear. That God would just baptize us with this true spirit of genuine love. Why am I talking about this? Because what is occurring is that when I came home, I noticed, you know, I'd been telling all the people that I'd prayed through and baptized in there. I said, man, when you get out, go to one of them apostolic churches. They got power there. You know, because I was convinced that you know, that all these apostolic churches was doing everything that was in the Bible. I I literally thought that everybody did what the apostles did. That was my mindset. And when we would win people, we actually taught them in prison to go and do the same thing. The people that we discipled in prison, the preachers to this day in UPC churches, But we had we had relationship. We had a bond. It wasn't you just go home, you just go to your cell and you do your thing and I go do mine. We did life together. When I came home, I recognized that the church was in the dilemma. Now, I wasn't in the UPC at that time. But I recognize even in the UPC. I recognize that the church was in a dilemma because I noticed that they were just having great church. They had a great atmosphere, but they didn't know what to do with it. God was there, but there were no results like it should have been. But there were people that sat on the pew and they talked about what God used to do. They talked about the good old days. They talked about the glory days. They talked about the days that they would come into the sanctuary and there would be a mist, a glory cloud that would just hover over the area. They talked about how people would come in and walk through the door, first-time visitors. And as soon as they walked through the door, the Holy Ghost hit them and they began to speak with tongues. They talked about the miracles and the dead that was raised in their church all the time. But somewhere along the line, they became captured by the moment. And instead of walking in it and building off of it, They began to esteem it. And eventually they began to worship it. And the move of God that they once had became a monument 
and cease to be a movement. To the place where I remember I met my wife. I came home in February. I met my wife in April. I mean in May, March. We got married exact year from the day that we first seen each other. I remember asking the pastor, I said, do you mind if I use the sound equipment? He said, yeah, I go, what do you want to do? He said, um, I said, I want to go out and just kind of go preach in the neighborhood. I wasn't looking for a pulpit. I wasn't looking for preaching time on the platform. I had been doing time for years. I was more comfortable to preach in the sinners than I was the saints. Because sinners, when they're listening, they're listening for hunger. They're looking to receive something. Kind of like the man that was at the gate called Beautiful. He looked on them. As they looked on them, looking to receive something, then something came forth. Nothing will come forth from God when the preacher comes in your direction. And it's the culture to listen without receiving something next. I noticed we would go out and God would move tremendously. But what occurred eventually, I remember taking a group of saints outside and said, we're going to go. I said, man, God's back. I said, man, prostitutes, drug dealers, gangbangers, everybody. They're, 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 they're falling out. Folks are prostrated on the concrete right in the middle of the hood. I did it everywhere, but in this place, this was in the hood. On the side, on the street corner. I said, I want y'all to come with me. I said, I need help. I remember getting some people on the church bus and we pulled out to the church's chicken parking lot across the street churches and I remember getting there and I said alright let's walk this corner right here we're getting ready to go just kind of minister to some people just call just pull up to them walk up to them ask them do they want to pray minister to them I said these people are hungry they just don't know where to get fed I remember the saint said brother I heard we ain't going over there I said why not they said this neighborhood's crazy. We're too fearful to go over there. What do you mean? Their comfort outweighed their love. People are willing to make sacrifices to sustain their comfort, even if it means sacrificing authority and sacrificing souls. They were only concerned about having good church and I didn't understand what was the purpose of just coming here and shouting and dancing and not doing anything. It's like a family coming home. <laughs> and not doing any work. You expect the house you think the children are going to grow naturally if there's no purpose for the home? 
What does your home represent to your neighbor? The people that are in your neighborhood, do they even know that you've got a connection with Jesus? Do they even know that you've got power? Do they even know that you possess something that is greater than the pandemic that is going on? Or do they look at you like you're just like everybody else? I learned that the church did not like to hear what was direct. See, they wanted to hide behind their accomplishments. I'm not just talking about corporately. I'm talking about individually. Or they would like to hide behind the success of the corporate body. But not producing anything as an individual. I've got a tree back home. And on the side of the tree, I've got one side that is producing fruit. But the other side hasn't produced fruit. It's just been the same branches sitting there for the past two years. What's keeping the other tree there is because the other side of the, what's keeping one side of the tree there is because the other side of the tree is committed to living life. Can I ask you what side of the tree are you on? What kind of branch are you? Are you a branch that is producing fruit? Or a branch that once had a heyday? But somewhere along the line, you retired. You got comfortable. And now you're living your best life. He said, Brother Hurt. The Lord tells Paul, the writer of Thessalonians, speaks to the church. He says they're going to ask for peace. They're going to say peace and safety. See, the thing is, when you're walking in your comfort zone, you're trying to, safety is more important than faith. What am I saying? I'm not saying that if you wear a mask, you're not walking in faith. Listen, I've got some serious, some serious masks. I got gas masks. I got some painting masks. I got another kind of N99 mask that's like decked out. And then I got, you know, these little blue masks because I can breathe better in them. I believe in being safe. But I'm not called to safety. I'm called to relationship. I'm called to walk in faith, not walk in safety. (laughs) 
What is going on? Not not many days from now. You're going to, and when I say not many days, I'm not talking about like natural days. I'm talking about not much longer from now. You're going to begin to see a mass betrayal that takes place in the body of Christ. There are going to be those that for the sake of safety will turn against those who are walking in faith. What are you saying? I'm not against even distancing. I don't like it. But what concerns me is a few thoughts that I actually wrote down. We're not called to tolerance. The kingdom of God is not a kingdom of tolerance. It is a kingdom of resistance. The Bible says, submit yourself unto God. Resist the devil. He will flee. I am concerned in the fact that we have more, we are more confident that you will die if you come in contact with the sickness then we are confident that you will live even if you come in contact with it. What are you saying, Brother Hurt? I know that there have been good men and women of God that have died. But can I tell you that even though there's been good men and women of God that have died, I believe that everyone that has died did not have to die if we as a corporate body worldwide had faith. Uncompromising faith. Faith that doesn't compromise. Faith that doesn't tolerate. But faith that resists. Faith that will endure all the way into the end. What are you saying? Do you think that this world loves you? I know that you, you, you think and you just hope that everything just gets better. But that's not what the scripture says. And I don't care how much you hope, your hope will not alter what is written. Your hope must be in subjection to what is written in the word of God. However, the Lord said in the last days there's going to be wars. There's going to be rumors of wars. He said nations are going to rise against nations. Kingdoms are going to rise against kingdoms. Trust me. You will not have success trying to give peace to this world. They say, Brother Hurt, you're going to be out there with the, you're going to protest. I protest the protesting. Straight up, I, I mean, like, 
I went out there with a with a with a fifteen. I went out there with a big old speaker and began to preach downtown after they tore up the city. I went behind the march preaching. My my microphone was bigger than theirs. <laughs> Family was calling me. My my sister was calling me. She said, I, I saw you on on, on WTHR thirteen. I I didn't see. I heard your voice. I said, there's no peace to the wicked. You say, no justice, no peace. Justice doesn't come from the law. Justice comes from the blood. There is no justice in the law. Justice comes by the grace of God. And if you demand justice, then you're demanding law. But at the same time, you don't know what all you're asking for. What are you saying, Brother Hurt? Are you saying that I'm again, that, 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 that you're for, you know, no. Listen, I've, I had cocaine one time planted on me by the police. I do know that the police can do some wicked stuff. But can I tell you that as a young black man, A child a black person the most dangerous place for a black person would not be in police custody but you're more apt to die in the custody of a womb of a black woman than you are apt to die in the custody of a police officer. I know some people might not like it. But if you want to be free. You have to learn how to deal with truth. Why am I saying this brother Hurt? Because we are allowing the culture. To divide us. From the truth. And because we have become so attached to the culture, we have to now choose a side. I'm not choosing a side. I'm taking a stand upon the solid rock. All else is seeking sand. I'll take a bullet to my head before I let anyone divide me from you. I'll take a bullet. I'd rather die united with my brother than to die united with this world. a sellout but Hezekiah Walker said it best he said I am sold out my mind is made up 
I'm not sold out to a political party. I'm sold out to the kingdom of God. I've been born again of water and spirit. I don't identify myself with my flesh. I'm identified by the spirit. And if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away and behold, all things are made new. I love my brothers and sisters, whether they're yellow, they're black or white or they're green. I don't care what color you are, what side of the fence you come from, what your background is, what your nationality is, what your politic persuasion is. If you are baptized in the name of Jesus and you're filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you're walking in the holiness of God, you are my brother, you are my sister. And I refuse to allow the political structure and the kingdoms of this world to interfere with the kingdom of God. The Bible says, come out from among the world and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean. You got to come out of that foolishness. You got to come out of that that, that conflict. You got to come out of that bitterness. You got to come out of all of that stuff and say, I'm going to come and walk with the kingdom of God. I'm going to walk with the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And if that means me walking with him causes me to have to pick up the cross and carry it, I will carry it with the grace of God. I'll carry it with a smile on my face. If you persecute me, it will not shut me down. If you try to bully me, it will not shut me down. Because when I think about where the Lord has brought me from, when I think about the things that God has delivered me from, when I think about the places that he's brought us through, listen, I'd rather die with you than to die without you. Is there somebody under the sound of my voice? Hell will prevail against every structure that is not founded upon the rock. Hell will prevail against every kingdom that is not founded upon the solid rock. But there's not only the blackness or the whiteness of skin that the enemy wants to use to drive a wedge. See, the thing is, we know how our hearts are connected to the kingdom based upon our response to the things that hit this world. If it hits something of your nationality, are you going to divide from the people that are in the kingdom 
that are of a different nationality. That's why we've got to get that stuff out of your heart. If you're white and you're proud, you're lost. If you're black and you're proud, you're lost. If you're Chinese, if you're Japanese and you're proud, you're lost. How can you say that? If you're proud to be an American, you're lost. Ooh, that's a strong statement. But the word of the Lord says, God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. I'd rather be humbled than to be proud. Now, you can be grateful to be an American, but God resists you at the moment that you're proud. We have adopted concepts, and we're trying to figure out why is it that the grace of God is not flowing freely through miracles and signs and wonders in the church. If the grace isn't flowing freely, then it's because proudness and prideness is flowing freely where grace should be flowing. Can I tell you that it's not the devil resisting you always? You said that devil is being, uh, that devil's being difficult he's he, he, he's he's fighting me he's being stubborn no the devil's not stubborn to the name of the Lord he he's fearful of that name but if you're stubborn and pride then the grace of God resists you and when the grace of God is when, when God is resisting you then the devil doesn't have to obey you So what am I saying? We need to repent. We need to repent for depending upon just leadership to do the job that we're supposed to do as a body. Sickness, the plague. Look, you're right, get out of here. The plague, or move on. The plague is trying to divide us. I'm telling you, this thing is a weapon. The Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. You're not going to fight this with carnal weapons. This thing has a motive that has a spiritual dark connection attached to it. This thing is not going to save you. If you believe that, just talk to some doctors. Or just listen to the news when they first came out. When they were telling the truth about that. I gotta make it plain about that. But this ain't gonna save you. 
might help you. But somewhere along the line, when you're not concerned about the kingdom business, and you're more concerned about your business, then kingdom preservation goes out the window, and self-preservation is introduced, and that comes in the window. Are you walking in kingdom preservation or are you walking in self-preservation? Because what God is looking for, he's looking for people I can't, we can't always, you know, people are going to die. But right now, the, the message of the Antichrist will be peace and safety. And right now, it's a precursor of the message. Because we're beginning to look for it. We have more confidence that you will die. If you come in contact with it, then you come in contact with the Christ. We are more persuaded that if you come in contact with someone that is sick, that you're going to die. But what happens if you come in contact with someone that's healed? I believe that a delivered person is more contagious than the sick person. If you've been set free by the blood of the Lamb. My thoughts is why else does the devil want churches to shut down? It's not because they want to quarantine the people from getting sick at church. They want to quarantine them from being healed at church. But they can't be healed like the way we're doing it right now. I promise you. The way we're doing it right now, folks that die. Why and, and why am I saying that? I'm I'm just gonna say keep it real, brother Hurt. I'm gonna try to keep it real with the faith ain't real. The commitment ain't real, the repentance is not real. We wanna go back to normal. We've learned how to Repent in such a way that God will move that thing back. And then as soon as it looks like the coast is clear, we're right back. He's looking for somebody that's going to be real and sold out. What do you mean? It's like this. We've opened up the doors again. And many of us, we're just thanking God for the ability to just be able to worship. And we're just hoping that things don't get worse. Instead of being intentional about saying, you know what, I'm going to be a resistant in the air. What do you mean? I'm not saying, I'm not saying go out there and just be like, All right, I'm, not, I'm just not going to wear a mask. I'm going to go to Walmart and just. <sighs> I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about resisting the devil. Talking about understanding that, that 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 I'm not talking about protesting in the flesh. I'm talking about protesting in the spirit. I'm talking about bringing that flesh under subjection. 
to the spirit of God and say we need the glory of God back in our midst not just in the corporate setting but in the individual setting God I do not want to be fearful scripture says he says stir up the gift of God that was given to you by the laying on of hands then there was another scripture where it talks about about the, the gifts of God that was laid, given on to them by the laying on by the presbytery, presbytery then there's another place where it says if there's any sick among you let them call for the elders of the church Laying on the hands is biblical. Coming together is biblical. But there's going to come a time where safety and peace will infringe upon what is biblical. I'm not saying, once again, I'm not saying for you to come here and just start laying hands on everybody. I'm saying that we should not be comfortable like we are right now. And what I mean by that is that we should be, we should be mourning over the fact that people are dying in our churches over the fact that people have more confidence in being able to live at home than to be healed at church. We should be mourning over the fact that we're tolerating and compromising biblical fundamental principles to accommodate something that is already going to happen. Destruction is coming. What am I saying? I'm not saying walk around and just start laying. I'm not saying that. I'm saying there's probably going to come a time when that may have to happen. What I'm saying is this. What we've got to do is that maybe we need to repent until there's a sincere turning in the body. Not just as an individual. But we need the body to begin to cry out to God in repentance for having a form of godliness and denying the power thereof. And I believe that if we will repent until there is a turning and there is a confirmation and there's consistent demonstration, I believe 
that in the spirit we can shut this thing down. But it's going to take more than just a, a, a praise and worship service. It's going to take more than just good preaching. It's going to take somebody that's going to humble themselves and begin to pray and call out to God in repentance for not playing your part, for not playing my part, for not playing our part that we're supposed to play in the kingdom of God. Repenting for just functioning like the harlot instead of functioning like the kingdom of God. Because we were called to do more outside of this building than we were called to do in this building. Would you lift your hands right now? Let us talk to the Lord. We repent. Oh, God. Lord, I repent for just going along with the system. I repent, Lord, for just going along just to get along. I repent, Lord God, for being drunk with the wrong wine. Lord, I repent. Lord, for just leeching off the oil of other faithful people. I for repent, Lord, for living in what you did yesterday and not allowing you to live in today with me. Lord, tonight, God, we cry out to you as a body, as your people, understanding where we have failed and where we have fallen. Lord, we're living in real times. Lord, we repent for the years that we did not treat your coming like a reality as it should. But we esteemed our temporary more than we esteemed that which was eternal. We became distracted by getting ahead. We became distracted by increase. We became distracted by prosperity. We became distracted by our vacations and our lavish livings, our entertainment, our football games, our basketball games, our children grandchildren our success their success our careers 
our opportunities, even our ministry. We've turned them into idols. And Lord, we have been more faithful to idolatry than we have been to your word and to you. Lord, we repent for making excuses for why the glory of the Lord is not flowing in our midst. Lord, we repent for not following the biblical example that you gave your apostles. Lord, we repent for pointing the finger at other people, blaming the past, coming up with excuses for why we won't obey you, why we won't love your neighbor. We repent, Lord, for our excuses that we make. why we're not moved with compassion Lord you move with compassion and you heal the sick you say that we go home you say we say Lord that we have compassion and all we do is just go home we see the sick person right there at the intersection We drive right on by them. We see the person at Walmart sores all over their legs. We walk right on by them. The grieving family that lost their child in the neighborhood. We drive right on by them. Hoping that maybe somebody else would just stop along the way. Lord, we repent for being as those that came before the great Samaritan. We repent, Lord God, for putting it all for somebody else to go and do it. Praying that God would send somebody else some help. When you gave us the burden to go out and go help. Lord God, we repent when we pray and we stop because it didn't happen fast enough. Instead of waiting for the miracle to happen, Lord, we repent for being more concerned about our reputation then we are concerned about your glory. Lord, you said, let your light so shine among men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father. Lord, there's some works that we're supposed to do that we're not doing. We repent for reading scriptures and ignoring them and thinking that we're saved by the scriptures we do while ignoring the scriptures that we refuse to do. I'm not trying to put guilt, I'm not trying to put shame upon you. What I am saying is if you're guilty, 
the Bible says judgment begins at the house of God. If this word applies to you, don't resist it. If you resist the word, you don't, you won't resist the devil. Some of us have been having a hard time resisting the devil, and that's why the devil hasn't fleed because you don't resist, because you resist the word. Don't resist the word tonight, but humble yourself and repent. Humble yourself and repent. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be death. There's going to be persecution. But there's going to be glory. And Paul said, I am persuaded that the sufferings of this present time is not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us when Jesus Christ comes back. Lord, in the name of Jesus, restore our affection for things that are above. Lord, I'm asking God that you would wash our hearts this day. Lord, God, cleanse our hearts this day in such a way, Lord, that the most valuable and most precious thing in this earth, in our hearts, would not be our possessions, but will be the souls that you possess in your hands. Lord, help us not to value our flesh more than souls. Help us not to value our neighbor, our friends, or our connections more than souls. Help us not to esteem our prosperity above the souls. Lord, help us to love you with everything that we've got. Lord, baptize us today with love. Cleanse us, Lord. Until the fear is gone. you got to step out. You've got to move. Even in the face of fear. And say, my God is able. He's able to heal. He's able to deliver. He's able to redeem. There are people that are committing suicide right now. Because they are persuaded that there's no hope. But if we would turn the light on. If somebody would just turn their light on. Hope would kick in. Deliverance will happen. Healing will happen. Hallelujah. Miracles will happen. Not just when you bring them to the congregation of the saints. But when you understand that you are the house of God. And you will allow what God has put in you to flow through you. That's it in the name of Jesus. The Antichrist, the false prophet, 
will perform false miracles. He will use the supernatural to influence the natural. Church, Jesus said, I must work the work while it is day. For the night cometh when no man can work. We've got to do a work for the Lord now. We've got to turn the light on now. We've got to let God use us now. We cannot be fearful in this hour. This is not the hour to be fearful. But this is the hour to be faithful. And if you die, die in the faith, not die in fear. Somebody needs to talk to him. In the name of Jesus. Oh, God. if we will call on him and we become burdened for a desire of his perfect will he will restore what we have lost he said them that know their God shall be strong and will do exploits God's not finished He said, don't you know that I faint not? God's not faint. He gives power to the faint. And them that have no might, he increases strength. Church, maybe you feel like you have no might. God will increase your strength if you call out on him. But you got to step out on what he gives you. Use what you've got. Hallelujah. Holy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Maybe just live your life I don't want you complaining about anything that's going on 
If you can't pray about it, don't complain about it. We got to get in the spirit. As we get there, we need to ask God for forgiveness. For why people are dying and they don't have to. And why we believe we will catch everything that the enemy brings our direction. He said, them that believe it and are baptized shall lay hands on the sick. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They will tread upon serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it won't even harm them. Lord, tonight, restore the confidence of the word. That even if it forms, it won't work. It won't work. It won't work. It won't work. Lord, they have told us that if we want to help our fellow man, distance, cover your mouth. And if you've had any fever, stay home. If you've come in contact with someone that is sick, Stay home because we don't want you to spread your sickness to someone that is healed. If you're sick, come find me. If you're sick, come to my house. Be sent by the hurt. When I was in prison, I was in jail. There was a whole block. There was opposing gang. They were going to jump me. But nevertheless, the Lord stood with me. It was 30 men. I never preached a day in my life. God punched me in the face. When I was in the world, I liked to fight. But when I got the Holy Ghost, it took something out of me. I'd watch guys get beat almost half to death. Face disfigured in ways that you would think was impossible. Mutilation. shoes on I didn't know what I was going to do but I knew I wasn't going to fight 
because the Holy Ghost wouldn't let me. Jumped down off the bed. They're waiting on me. I walked out into the open. And I opened up my mouth. And with a loud voice, I began to preach. As I began to preach, as I began to do something that did not make sense, the Holy Ghost showed up. The glory of God showed up, conviction set in the place. And all of a sudden, the men began to apologize. Men started coming to me for prayer. People started getting baptized. People started getting the Holy Ghost. But I had to be willing to step out and do something different. The normal response if you're going to survive is you better fight. But I submitted myself to the word and it kept me church he's a keeper you gotta submit yourself to the word you gotta trust it even to the death I'm not gonna tell you that conflict won't come but it won't prosper it won't work you will see the glory of God something will happen I want you to lift your hands up towards heaven as you stand to your feet. And tell the Lord, Lord, I want to see the glory of God in my life. Deliver me from fear. Deliver me from the status quo. I'm going to get into your word. And as I get into there, I'm going to stay there. I'm going to submit myself to it. I'm going to expect the fruit that comes with obedience to the word of the Lord. Everybody worship the Lord in this house. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, 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 in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, 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 in Jesus' name. Hosea chapter 10, verse number 12 says this. A few moments ago, I felt like the Spirit of the Lord quickened this verse to me. I feel like it describes or explains what is taking place right now. Back in April... 
We've got an area, if you're facing our house, the left side of it's a field now. At one point, it was previous owners actually had a tennis court there. Give you a little bit of a visual of the size. I spent, a, I think it was six hours, not absolutely straight, but I spent almost six hours, I spent six hours one day during quarantine raking that entire area before I ever put any grass seed down before I ever got ready to see the lawn grow I had to prepare the soil Hosea 10 and 12 says sow to yourselves in righteousness reap in mercy Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till He come and rain righteousness upon you. Pastor, I I thought we got guest speakers here so they could just, just hype us up and tell us some fluffy, wonderful, encouraging word. No, no. No, that's not why God sends ministry from outside of here. It's because we need to break up some fallow ground. And I believe God's going to do some things. I believe we're going to see His glory. But we've got preparation that has to happen before that part. And I believe that all weekend, but I guess I'll say it this way, especially this evening, I feel like the Holy Ghost is trying to break up some fallow ground. Trying to break up some ground that can't be productive because seed sown on fallow ground is not going to produce anything. Seed that is sown on fallow ground is going to be a waste of time and effort. It's not going to take root. When you get the soil prepared, when you get it ready to receive, and you plant the seed, it's going to produce. I am encouraging you to spend some time the next couple of days during your time of prayer, praying about what we have heard tonight and continuing. Sometimes we need more than just a few moments of repentance, folks. I didn't say the sinner, I said we. Sometimes we need a season. And I believe what we've heard tonight is not just for us. Well, we prayed a few minutes and we did it. I think, I think we need some time alone with God. Where you and I individually take this word to heart and allow the Spirit of the Lord to do what He's trying to do. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God, I pray right now that the word that has been spoken tonight, that what has been ministered in this place tonight would be sealed into our hearts and our minds and our spirits. That the enemy would not be able to come along and snatch it away to thwart the effectiveness of what you desire to do.
let this word be sealed deep in our minds and our spirits and our souls, God. That it might be able to produce and accomplish all that you are intending for it to do. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I realize some of you have not been coming on Thursday nights because of, I'm assuming, the numbers. I am encouraging you. Do what you need to do. Change whatever you may need to change. To be here. Be a part of what God is doing and what God is going to do. In Jesus' name. Praise God.